Vegan Hats is on the air with Mike Keller and Jason Cartellian. How are you? Leader of the free world, sacker of cities, destroyer of worlds, role model for vegans everywhere. Is that what you think of me? I think of you as a titan among men, a, a mighty beast. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the beastly job. You're you're just a, a fighter in the trollosphere. But we're not here to talk about this. We're here to talk about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay. Anyway, uh, so what do you think of Neil deGrasse Tyson? He's a fun character in general. I mean, we need people like him to point our eyes out, you know, like uh, away from our little lives and our phones and whatnot and look up into the sky and contemplate our place in the universe. Yeah, I mean, I actually have kind of admired some of his work. I mean, sometimes he's kind of boring. I was mm-hmm. listening I listened to his podcast. It's interesting. I mean, you know, it definitely is an interest interesting as an astrophysicist and as a he's scientist. A, he's a science communicator and we we need that. We need science to be a bigger part of our lives. But he also espouses extremely ignorant views on veganism. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have this interview with Colbert, and I'm just going to play it, and we'll stop and start it and listen to what he has to say. I mean, but I'm always wondering, like, why do, like, super, super smart, intelligent people have the dumbest takes on veganism? I don't understand that. It's like, mm. it's like if they read so many books, why don't they just read one book about veganism so they can at least have arguments that make sense, perhaps? Uh, I think there's like an addiction to eating steak, for example. And so you'll go through all these like mental gymnastics to justify your addiction and not think of yourself as a bad person. I think it's more of an addiction to get attention. That too, maybe. I don't know. He wants to be relevant. He wants to be entertaining. He wants to, you know, whatever. I mean, have some some certain force of people. It's so easy to attack vegans, right? And so let's let's have a chapter in my book that I want you to buy about how terrible veganism is, or how is there misguided actually a chapter veganism. about misguided yeah. veganism? Yeah. Wow, have you read it? I've not read the book, but he dis- mm-hmm. he, he discusses it in this interview. Look, it, it's almost as if. People respond to controversy and confrontation, especially in bite-sized chunks on the internet or TikTok or whatever. So unless you're arousing people's passions, it's hard to get their eyeballs. And to some extent, if you just if you're just all positive, like oh, look at the magic of the you know rings of Saturn, people. Some people, of course, will be on on board with that. But others will be like, where's the tea? You know, I'm here for like reality confrontation. You know, reality TV style uh, confrontation. Otherwise, I just don't get stimulated. Yeah. I mean, if you're sharing like, oh, this incredible picture of the Milky Way galaxy, you know, yeah, that's cool. But there's no conflict there. It doesn't stimulate your like lizard brain. Well, there's a chapter in here called Meat Eaters and Vegetarian. Yeah, I went there. So, so there's... So I guess he's, it's called Meat Eaters and Vegetarians, but he's mm-hmm. specifically pointing out vegans here. Right. There, there, people say, I don't want to kill animals. I, 
I, I don't have a problem with that. They probably have a, a, a humane mousetrap in their basement. They don't want to snap the neck of the mouse. So they capture the mouse. You got to check on it every couple of days because they dry out real quick. So, so there it is, and they set it loose into the wild where they have guaranteed it will be swallowed whole by an owl or picked apart by all manner of woodland predators. So his argument is some hypothetical mouse. And because this, I don't know, again, some kind of arch-type granola-eating barefoot vegan that, that, mm-hmm. that cares AKA about their mouse. straw man. Straw man, <laughs> yeah, obviously. And and then and then okay so I guess they have a mou- uh, humane mouse trap that 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 and then hypothetically they don't want their mouse to live in their I guess their cellar or wherever down so they release it and then it gets picked up by a hawk that uh, the circle of life this kind of so so first of all yeah straw man argument is now does this make him feel better for eating his his cow ribs how is this a reasonable argument. You know, I mean, I guess what is the argument that humane mouse traps are as bad as the neck snapping traps, if not worse? I, I don't know. I, well, I, well, well. In my story, the, we let the we let the mouse free, and then it becomes uh, the 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 greatest mouse in the world. You know, uh, <laughs> and, and and flourishes in in the wild, it's frolicking and jumping around blades of grass. Average life expectancy of a mouse manner of woodland predators. The average life expectancy of a mouse in the wild is 9 to 18 months. Okay, I would rather have the opportunity to survive in the wild than the guarantee of getting killed in the basement for sure. Beyond that, there could be predators in the basement, like cats. I don't know. Is this against vegans? Yeah, he's talking about vegans. Oh, I'm, I'm, such, a, I'm such a hardcore vegan that I'm, I'm going to humanely capture this mouse. You know, we don't like animal agriculture, the way animals are cruelly treated and abused. I would love his response to that. I would love to show him uh, <laughs> Dominion or something and then say, okay, justify that one. And just like absolutely no pushback by Colbert. Just let this guy do his well, clown Col- show. Colbert admitted, he says, the more you talk, the less I have to do my job. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, yeah. Well, he's got the stage. He's got to sell his book. Yeah. To 18 months. So the best thing you can do with a mouse is leave it in your basement. It'll live up to six years there. That's how you protect the life. But that's not what they're doing. Meanwhile, the house is made of wood from 50 trees with floorboards and two-by-fours and structural members. So he's going to defend the trees now. Yeah, let him finish the point. Trees? Each tree every day produces 15 times the mass of the mouse in oxygen. And a tree is home to birds and insects and fungus and, and squirrels. Who do you think nature cares more about? Nature doesn't care about anyone. And you'll say, well, the mouse has a beating heart. Tree doesn't. Maybe the tree doesn't need a beating heart. That's your criterion for what's important? If you cut a tree, does it not bleed? If you cloak a tree, does it not suffocate? If you cut off its nutrients, does it not wither and die? (laughs) (laughs) If you prick me, do I not bleed? Uh, You know, this... In the comments of this YouTube video, there's a perfectly um, salient response. (laughs) The guy says, the question is not, does it grow or have a beating heart? 
The question is, does it suffer? That's right. Well, the difference between sentient and something that's not sentient. But again, there's always this argument to, oh, yeah, tree, there's this in network and trees communicate with one another under the ground. They don't have consciousness or like really feel pain or feelings. And yeah. The tenant of veganism is to reduce suffering. It's not like, right. you know. You cannot eliminate it. I mean, I mean, is this an excuse to 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 do the things that the dairy industry do, or or the 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 ghoulish things that happen in the animal agriculture? I mean, come on, man, this is like this is just nonsense. Pandering for attention to sell a book. Trees live a thousand years. We're not cutting down old growth trees for our houses. Now we're we're cutting down old growth trees for our shopping malls, but that's another story. Oh, but you're going to cut them all down, build your house, and save a one-ounce chubby mouse. Now he's fat-shaming the mouse. <laughs> wow. I got one, I got one more. I oh, he got the he... roaring applause. They probably put the applause sign up. Like, oh, this is a good yeah. space to put the applause sign up. You know, everyone yeah, cheer. And so he's all, like, <laughs> smug and, like, happy with his, his brilliant argument. <laughs> Look at his smile on his face. <laughs> I w if I was in the audience, I would not applaud. Of course not. <laughs> But again, I, I always see this too, where these people come up with these ridiculous arguments and there's no pushback, there's no discussion. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost this point where there's no discussion anymore. Well, this show is not a platform for discussion. This show is a platform for quips, jokes, and promotion. You know, people show up like, they, it's a it's a quid pro quo. If you're a famous celebrity, you show up and you lend your fame to the show. You say that, you know, he sends you some softballs. So you say some like really fun, quippy things that are ideally like, you know, uh, entertaining enough to even forward in YouTube clips. And in exchange, you get to promote whatever the hell you're selling. And the more he talks, the less he has to work. Sorry. So what I'm, I'm hearing, but wait, I want to hear one more, but what I'm hearing so far is either save all of them or save nothing. I can't quite tell. <laughs> no, I'm not hearing. Oh, that that's little... kind of a put yeah he, in a in a funny way he's pointing out the fallacy here to give you your opinions i'm here to make sure whatever opinion you do have is more fully informed than it yeah. probably was to begin with wow <laughs> look in the mirror ndg ngd ndt whatever your name is look like this guy needs a little bit of background info. No, I, he said before this clip started that his whole point is to like zoom out and take in the big picture. And I agree with that sentiment. And then he proceeds to do the opposite. No problem. Okay. Okay. So your other example, please. Another, another quick example. Again, this is all can be found in Starry Messenger. Yes. Yeah. Neil yeah, yeah. Tyson. The next best thing to going into space. Exactly. Is if you read okay. this book. Okay. Don't buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> No, or or just don't read that one chapter. Who knows? Maybe the rest of it's good. Or read that chapter just to know like what the people are thinking. He still he needs to attack vegans a little bit more. He's got okay. another great argument. Keep it coming. Um, so I, I often introduce aliens because they don't have a preconceived notion of who and what we are, and we get a sense of what they might say. Okay, sure. so I imagine theoretical. Aliens. Yeah, exactly. Theoretical aliens. I can't divulge other. So, yeah. So so imagine photosynthesizing sentient aliens. Okay, so they're basically sentient plants. Okay. And sentient plants. He's invented sentient plants. It's the, it's the straw aliens. 
what I'll tell you what would be an analog. Well, let's first hear his argument and I'll tell you the analog to this. So they're in a spaceship and they, they saw that Earth has a good biodiversity of plants and it's on their tour book. They got rainforests and things, so they come to visit. And then they, they, then they meet vegetarians who expressly eat plants. Okay. <laughs> Meat eaters don't eat plants. Okay, keep going. Let it, let it, this gets silly. Plants, they notice that vegetarians target the reproductive organs of plants, the flowers, the berries, the nuts, all of the things. The plant's just trying to make another version of itself. You know, it's like an evolutionary adaptation that, say, an apple tree, in its, re in its reproductive organ, it makes the apple extra yummy so that an animal will eat it. It bribes them into eating it and spreading its seeds. And that's part of its evolutionary advantage. So, yeah, we target the reproductive system because it wants you to do that. I had zucchini blossoms for dinner, okay? The zucchini just trying to make another zucchini. But no, I ate it. And now, imagine, ima wait, imagine the aliens, they go, they go check in on Whole Foods and they see people shopping in the produce aisle. And then they notice these same vegetarians, they're like, inf they're into infanticide because they're selecting baby carrots. Those baby are not spinach. baby carrots. They're just fully grown carrots cut into like a cute shape. This is a, uh, like a comedy routine. Yeah, kind of is. That, I mean, that's why Colbert is looking at him like, eh, okay. Infantilize, baby artichokes. infanticide. Baby arugula, baby everything. And these, these aliens, they say, what the hell's going on here? What? And then they run back. They attack us. They attack us. Oh, no, they attack is that where this movie is going? They eventually attack us. No, no. But it offers cosmic perspectives, which are wait. So way. let me make an, an an analog. He's imagining a sentient plant coming at us and seeing that we're eating non-sentient plants, and they'd be like terrified by that. But when you think of uh, like we're sentient animals, and as a vegan, I don't have a problem with say lab-grown meat. That is a non-sentient animal. Right, you're getting the flesh of the meat with nobody suffering, and that's fine. So, if I went to another planet as an alien to that planet and said, Oh my god, they're like culturing uh human flesh or whatever, but nobody is suffering, I whatever, what do I care? Yeah, I mean, that alien that landed on the planet sees how we treat the cows, the pigs, the sheep. The chickens. And sees them crying out in pain. Way to think about what it is you do. So you might feel more strongly about you do what you do or less, mm -hmm. but it's another way to look at how you have formulated what it is you think and do and who you're going to argue with, especially at Thanksgiving. To come, up, to come up with that idea of the sentient plants, did you smoke any baby plants? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well... I mean, we, we all have friends and family who are not vegan, and uh, we haven't thrown them all out. Neil deGrasse Tyson, other than his food opinions, does a lot of good in the world. And I guess we just have to roll our eyes like, you know, it's our unfunny uncle. But, you know, there's something good about him, too. And I just wish maybe one day we'll, uh, we'll get through to him on dietary issues. Maybe yeah, not. But, but just such a ill-formed argument yeah it's it's a it's a very half-assed argument 
happens. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, but it's interesting because I look at him a different way now, mm-hmm. and you know, a, 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 you know, again, a very smart person with just a blind spot to veganism. It, you know, the thing about comedy is you're not supposed to punch down. And it feels like he's punching down in this. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, a struggle to be relevant in today's world where everyone's kind of a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, sometimes you have to do what you got to do. And so I guess that's his place. I mean, again, I have no idea why an astrophysicist has to. Hey, and, and it's interesting too because his argument is cosmic. It's a it's aliens coming down, you know. And but they're but but it, again, it's strained. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and Peta has actually used that concept in one of their their propaganda videos where they like you know you see an alien and they come down, and this is a you know theoretical thought experiment. And there's different variations on this. They're like, uh, look, these humans are dumber than us. I guess we're entitled to eat them. Right. So the like, you know, if an alien from another planet comes down and sees our culture and takes it in with no preconceived notions um, is an interesting thought experiment. Uh, I just don't think the way he's applying it is particularly plausible or applicable. Yes. Or clever. Well, anyway, I think that he needs to promote a different way. And not or just attack stick, stick to the stars. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, stick to the star. Stick to what he knows, because mm-hmm. he definitely doesn't know anything about veganism. No. So anyway, the, more importantly, Mike Keller, what did you have for lunch? It's the same thing I had last time. You asked that bolognese thing that you didn't think is particularly good. Did, would you order like a whole different like stack of them, and then you just I, pull them out you know, of your refrigerator? Traders only has certain yummies that we can have, so I go back there and I get like seven different things again and again and again. And it's right down the street from you. Correcto. Me too. I mean, Trader Joe's is right down the street. I almost was going to buy the green Thai frozen dinner. They have like a frozen dinner that's like uh, oh, green curry. That. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, that's I like it. Yeah, no, but it's What did kinda... you have? I had nothing for lunch. <sighs> Are you going to have something for lunch now, or I, just I, I'll have something for dinner? I know. I, okay. I, I mean, I was what I, what I was doing was I was make I was going to make I make a bon mi, and so you know the reason why I don't get a lot of the frozen dinners is I prefer to make something, you know, and make yeah. something, you know, I mean, it's time. It doesn't make as much sense if you have a family because, you know, those, those things are sort of effective for one person. But like, if you have three or four people, it's like, you're spending a lot of money for something kind of mediocre. I don't know. The way my family is, everyone eats something different. So, oh, okay. you know, I, I don't know. So we're always, I mean, the frozen dinners will probably work because. Right. Because you, know, you all want a different frozen dinner. We okay, eat different enough. things at different times. Mm-hmm. It's just you very weird. Busy, busy lives. Yeah, everybody has a different schedule. But you know, but so anyway, yeah. So was, I was gonna do a bond me, and you know, I'm such an extremist when it comes to bond me. I want to make sure that there is a vegan pat- pate, and and then this uh, for lunch, I, I I actually made the um, pickled veg, the uh, daikon carrot veg, and so I basically shredded. Carrots, shredded, daikon, 
pickled it, put it. And I was like, it was like Did this almost, end up in a video. It was like no, it wasn't even filmed. It was like I oh, mean, wow. I, I filmed it. I filmed it like a while back. So it's like, but I just love banh mi, and I wanted to keep mm. that pickled. That pickled yeah, veg is great. Me too. You know, it's it, well, just I mean, on a recipe note, you know, just making p- pickled veg. You know, uh, uh, well, usually with banh mi, they call it matchstick cut, matchstick cut. But I use like a julianner. Hmm. Which is like a little scraper thing, and you scrape it, and it makes these little long, like shreds of daikon carrots, and then you just make a quick pickle with a quickle, vine- yeah, a quickle uh, with vinegar, sugar, and you just keep it in there for a little bit, and you got beautiful daikon carrot mixture for sandwich you can put it on anything put it on a burger it's just delicious so Fantastico. it's it's fun to just have a batch so you know I, I made a big batch of it put it in the refrigerator so whenever i want pickled daikon i go get it mm-hmm.